two, Lavishes Friday edition of the Jeff Cameron Show. Thanks for tuning to it. How are you? Good, good, good to hear. I'm glad you're doing well. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. On Twitter, it's uh, at J Cameron Show. We'll see if they get yeses, everybody. We'll see. Everybody's got to calm down a little bit. I'm beginning to agree with Tom on this one. I do worry some. I am watching intently. I think there's uh, reason to to monitor the situation closely. It's a long time between now and when kids actually have to sign, and there'll be a lot of things that translate to uh, yeses and nos that uh, aren't present currently. So we'll see. It's one of those things. You could be right. Your concerns could be completely valid, and we are talking about this later. But since we're going to talk about it later, if your concerns are valid, I'm not going to talk about it now. Well, I'll give you this, though. Uh, Ryan asked in the in the chat, is is Odell losing his edge? Look, the bottom line is Odell Higgins is really close to retiring. Uh, that this is it, Look, I don't think it's a secret that he's not going to be here much longer. And we should cherish the time that we have with Odell as a coach because he's been uh, as big a knoll as anybody. I mean, not only as a great player here, but he has been an integral part of their success for a very long time and has even recently been very, very, very important in securing some big-time players on the defensive line. He's still a good coach when you're out there watching him. You watch him get after it. You know, he's still really good at what he does. But he's had, you know, the surgeries with the knee and all that. He's had issues. He's older. It's hard. It's a young man's game coaching. I say it a lot. Recruiting is difficult, too. you got to traverse across the state. you got to do all kinds of traveling, and that's not easy on older people. And I'm not trying to make him sound like, you know, he's in the last days of his life. I'm just noting that he's older, and so almost by definition, he's just not going to be around here much longer. And I think that is probably used against him to some degree. I have less concern, by the way, with Odell Hagens than I do other positions. Papuchas has lost out on two pretty high-profile wars there at defensive end for players. You go back to last year, you had a kid in the fold, ready to go, and in the last second, Auburn grabbed him. But this is what happens when you grab a kid from Alabama. If you recruit a kid from Mississippi or you recruit a kid from Alabama and you think you're going to get him, um, some things have to be in place. Most of the time, you're not. Money's going to get thrown at that problem. Those states in particular, certain SEC states, they're not going to let you take their kids. There are very rare circumstances where it happens, Jameis being one of them, and we know why that happened. Do you think, though, that that is Papucha's fault? In that particular, for Auburn, the specific kid that went to Auburn. Um, I think we could have predicted that it was likely to happen. So it would have would not have been a December failure. Right. It, it would have been, have been right. a process I, failure. Yeah, I think somewhere along the way, uh, I don't know how you do it. I mean, I just I don't want us to get into the habit of trying to go to war with Alabama kids, for Alabama kids, with Alabama and Auburn, unless we are sitting atop the college football world. When you're, when you're number one or number two and you're playing for titles, you can walk into any state and say, I want that kid. Because you're you're the creme de la creme of college football at that point. We were not in that position when we started recruiting him. That doesn't often translate. Auburn's desperation was the thing that we probably did not know. The level with which they were desperate. I think everybody picks up what I'm putting down there. Mm-hmm. So that was the thing that trips you up at the 11th hour. I think that's going to happen irrespective of position coach and or recruiting ability yeah, I don't play, every year. I think Papuchas can, can recruit. He's just whiffed on a couple of kids. And so... The way that, you know, that's a zero-sum game. Everybody understands the deal. You get a kid or you don't get him. 
that's it. Do you get them or not? I don't want to hear the million reasons why we did or didn't get somebody. You either got them or you didn't. So, I mean, that's the way recruiting works. Sure. You either got the player or you didn't. So, um, I, I, Papuchis is interesting. A lot of people will tell you he is a good recruiter. He's filled with energy. He's got great passion. He's fun to listen to at practice. He's, he really coaches his ass off. Seems to be quite aligned with Mike Norvell and the Correct. philosophy of the Correct. building as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. mean, we'll see. I'm worried at linebacker because this is the same problem that uh, Shanahan's had everywhere. So Shannon, Shannon, I said Shanahan, thinking NFL. Um, you know, I, I we'll see. You know, I've I've already sounded that alarm a while back. I didn't. I get what they were trying to do and why they did it. I don't think it's a long-term solution. Yeah, it's an inefficiency. Mm-hmm. Unless. Again, the winning and the robust NIL presence, if it continues to be and people continue to support, then you probably are strong enough to handle that. If you believe it's worth it on the other end. But that's the whole part of the equation that you mm-hmm. got to do. Mm-hmm. Is this irreplaceable development? Or is it development that is so in <laughs> Well, I mean, of a yeah, player, of right. a prospect. No, no, I know what you're saying. Is it so in line with I mean, what there- we are about culturally? And it's also a development track that is going to get a kid paid and, and make it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, well, that matters greatly to kids coming out of high school and looking at long-term commitments. Certainly. I agree with you there. Um, listen, again, this is, I like where we are. I like that we're at a place now where we can call it for what it is. Either you are making the grade or you're not. And we have, the concerns have shifted away from <laughs> being a laughing stock to being great. So the game's changed. The conversation centered around Florida State football has changed dramatically. We are no longer sitting here wringing our hands over this also-ran status that we were uh, really, unfortunately, too comfortable in for some time. Uh, We were going through budget issues, tons of losing on the field. You had all of these things where you thought, oh, my God, the last thing I have to worry about is whether or not Jerry over here can recruit. We've got to get it together. Now we're at a place where, okay, Florida State's good. They need to be great. They want to be great. They aspire to be great. You don't pay your head football coach $8 million to be average. So you're trying to be great. So now we look at it through that lens. Yeah. And that's why the scrutiny is what it is. It's not, it, it seems like it went to zero to 100 very quickly. And the reason for that is it did. It did go from zero to 100. We did go from five wins to 10. We did go from not mattering in the conference other than brand to being the favorite to win it. We did go from having no wide receivers to hang your hat on to having two or three that are going to play in the league and are difference makers. We went from having average to below average tight ends to having three really good ones. We went from being okay at running back to awesome and deep. We went from having a quarterback that, you know, might have to share the stage with a guy that's got one working foot to a dude who will get drafted and is in the Heisman race. Everything did change almost overnight. So that's why it feels like, golly, we went from casually having conversations occasionally about this kid or that kid or this coach or that coach to now hyper-focusing on their competency and whether or not they can help you be elite. And that's the way it should be. It should always be that way at Florida State. This ought to be a pressure cooker 
for all who enter. If you're a coach who gets hired to be on this staff or you're the head coach, you have to know these are the standards, and they all do. That's why it's a destination job. These are the standards. You're going to be held accountable. Anybody that gets paid in the millions or hundreds of thousands at anything that they do is held accountable daily. It's not just last year's successes. It's what are you doing tomorrow? Yeah, you're only as good as your next signing class. Like I, I get that, and I fully understand that there are some guys that probably won't work out. Like I, I understand that. But because of examples like Ron Dugans and Odell even 10, 12 years ago, you know, he uh, was yeah, on his yeah. last legs. If, if He was hurting there. That was a big get. If Jimmy Jernigans didn't say yes to Florida State, he, this whole decade of stories that we have with Odell, the leader, the grandfather, the interim head coach, three and Odell, to, you know, all of these things don't happen if, mm, if Tammy mm. Jernigan doesn't say yes. So I'm using that as a reason to pause. I'm also going to give Mike Norvell latitude here because a lot of these things that went from zero to 60 are because he didn't change course. He decided to go down a consistent path and was rewarded for it. And if in December we end up needing to make a change, we're going to make a change. But for right now, because these guys are afforded the opportunity to recruit with more ammunition than they ever have before, there are fewer excuses. It's very much the conversation you're having about Adam Fuller as a defensive coordinator. You've got a D-line to work with now, dude. Is it going to look like a group that can shut down good offenses, win more than their fair share of battles? And if they can, you'll say... New evidence has come to light, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Adam Fuller, can yes, he is fit to help us go to be great. Same thing in the recruiting world. Let's see what happens over the next few months. This is more than they've ever had to work with. So I don't, I don't think I'm going to, on June 23rd, say, this guy can't do it, can't get it done. I want to wait a little longer. But we're in, the we're in the realm of sports talk, and we understand what a message board is and what the internet is and what yeah. a talk show is, and it is uh, fair to bring the barroom conversation to the air and to say sure. what we're thinking about whether or not a guy long-term in your mind is going to make it, or mine, or whatever. I mean, we, we want people sounding off on that, and I don't think it's alarming that people are concerned or holding people accountable for what is right now on defense a substandard class. You're going to say, come on, let's go. Let's get some of these yeses in here. And that's okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you just don't want to hyper-focus on it. No, I, I, I'm, I'm saying, you know, if you were to do the smiley face game like they would have in the, in the second grade classroom and you've got the red angry face yeah. and you've yeah. got the bright, shiny, yellow or green smiley face and they go through the scale. I think maybe small grin or just straight-faced, you know, the flat-looking mouth. Mm -hmm. That's probably fair. I don't know that we need to be red-faced just yet. Not red-faced yet. We have the the straight line is a lot. You said maybe the orange face with a slight frown and furrowed brow. It's turned into a little bit of two fingers to my eyes. That's all, that's all I'm saying. It's turned into a little bit of two fingers to my eyes. Maybe we should isolate a bunch of those yeah. so we can assign where we're at. Where we're just at in yeah. one picture. Hit the button, Tom. I'm here. I've reached this status. It's a four. It's like yeah, smiley face four. A little bit of stages of grief type thing. Yeah, you can do this. Uh, but yeah. Right now, I just need uh, De Niro's two fingers back to you. Like, hey, we're all good here, but... Yeah, it's like the pain level thing, Ryan, mm -hmm. but you remember there was the smiley to the angry one. It was maybe 10 or 12 deep. Yeah. The pain level one is awesome. When you go to the doctor's office on the back of the door, that look of the one that's the 10 is just like... <laughs> it's contorted. It actually has eyes. Yeah. With the, the tears the coming tears down. tears coming down. 
that's a, I've lost the lower half of my leg on the battlefield. Like we've got real issues here. This is unreal. Was it bone saw Jimmy? What was it? The two bone saw guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> here's, here's what I think. Florida state's going to have to be for, for, for all of these guys that we're concerned about. And if you want to start with fuller, start with fuller since he is the defensive coordinator. They got to be good for him to to really have great recruiting classes, I think. Because I don't think he's a unique well, I, I, – it doesn't appear that he's a unique recruiter. But, okay, I, I know what your retort to this will likely be, but is he a, afforded time to develop as a recruiter given that he's never been on the stage and we're starting to enjoy success? Is he allowed yeah, to evolve? Yeah, but that is the original complaint about why he was on the staff to begin with. It's like, hey, man, this is Florida State. What the hell are you doing? You could have said that about Norvell, too, as a hire. This is Florida State. Why are we getting a group of five guys? Well, we were in deep trouble. I think that would be <laughs> the, the response to the Fuller question, just the same. Well, Mike Mike's had opportunities. I, I like uh, Adam, and I, I, I tell you, I think he can coach. I don't know how relatable he is on the recruiting trail, so they're going to have to win a lot of games. Um, that's fine. Sometimes it works out that way, and they might. They might. I mean, all of this changes. It's amazing how much better a recruiter you become with the 12-0 and 0 teams. Um, now I don't think they're going to go twelve and zero, but right, like I it's a big year for these guys. It's a big year for these guys. I don't know that Nick Saban has ever been truly relatable, but once he starts succeeding, but he's a good coach, though. I mean, I'm talking right. about hands-on DB coach. He's a good coach. Aha, aha, yeah, okay. I well, see you working. Well, and he wins. But once you start winning, it's oh man, he's a taskmaster. You know what? I'm going to get better with this guy. It doesn't matter that he, you know, we have five things in common or one thing or zero things. But if I'm going to get better with you. Yeah, that's the key. That's the guy I'm going to. I'm wondering, um, you know, if in three years we don't see, what, over under three and a half changes on the coaching staff, in particular on the defensive side of the ball. How many years? Three years. Three years, over under three and a half changes? Mm -hmm. It's over. Either way. Either well, because you're going to think Odell retires. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then I just think we're going to get rid of Randy, period. Yeah, Randy Fuller. I mean, yes, one of them goes. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then so you're going to take the over. That means you think two more people will leave. Yes, for two reasons. Three years is a long time. Yeah. So you're either going to not live up to expectations and you're going to clean house or you're going to exceed expectations or, or live up to them. And people are going to pluck you away if you're an assistant coach here. I mean, if Sertan is arousing success, somebody's going to want him as a defensive coordinator or assistant, uh, assistant defensive coordinator. I don't know that he would get elevated immediately here. But I think that's the nature of, of the beast here. Yeah. Three years is a long time. Yeah, it's easy. No dad's right. Odell, Shannon, and Fuller would seem to be three guys that we'd be, if, if you're going to bet, if you just want to place a bet, are they here three years from now? Probably not. Yeah, Fuller would be the most likely of the three, I'd say. Really? Because of Odell's age. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know that he's going to want to do this forever. He was very close to retiring once or twice in the last oh, five Odell, years. Odell, yes. Um, uh, yeah, Fuller. I thought you were talking no, about no. Fuller. No, Fuller is the most likely to stick around, is what I'm saying, because yeah. of Odell's age. They've Odell's been... bona fides. Oh, he yeah. Could, yes, oh, if he yeah. wanted to be yeah, here for years, no, sure. Yeah. No, but I think I think Odell will probably retire within the next two years or, or take on a different role. They're going to give him his golden parachute, his watch, and all that, and let him kind of hang around the program they in a would different be, role. They would be wise, though. I, I don't know how real the negative recruiting against Odell is. This is not my, you know, lane at warchant.com. But if it's real and it's affecting us, 
then they would be wise to release a statement to say that this is how much longer he's going to be here and, and the heir apparent, perhaps, or make a plan mm -hmm. known. If it's not an official release, just on the trail, put the word out. Here's going to be the next guy. You've got to have a line of succession there. One good thing, uh, Odell is as straightforward as they come, and he is transparent and hardworking and honest, and I'm sure that Odell has pulled Mike aside and told him exactly what his plans are, what his timetable is. I don't know what it is. But, I mean, there's no doubt that if he was thinking about, I only got a year left in me. I only have two years left in me to do this. I'm, I'm, I want to spend time with my wife. I want to spend time away. I want to retire. I've made a lot of money. I've worked really hard, won championships, all that stuff. It's understandable. Football is a hard job. And he does not work half-assed. No, he's all in. So right? if he's in, he's all in. So, yeah. so yeah. I'm sure that he walked in and said to Mike at some point, you know, hey, and they had the end of the year meetings. Everybody's got to come clean where they're at. You know, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between. We got to have it all on the table. I'm sure he's set if he's planning on yeah walking away soon. I'm sure he says, Mike, I got, I got next year, man. But I, I don't know about the year after. So you tell the head coach that so he can start looking around. Well, yeah, I get the the crack too by Noldad, head coach or defensive line coach and waiting. Like, no, I get that you don't want to no, do behind that. Behind the scenes, though, is but what you're... what's he supposed to say to a 2025 kid or a 2026 kid, Odell? Like, if you're sending him on the trail, what what is he supposed to say to that defensive tackle? Because so many of them are here for him specifically because of the way that he manages a personality. He's a grandfather off the field and he's a drill sergeant on the field. So how exactly if you're if you're hosting a junior day yeah, next year, yeah, yeah. what is he supposed to do if he's not going to be here? <laughs> You got to do something. Yeah, you would have to do that. Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chain. Hey, guys, our next partner is AG1, the daily foundational nutritional supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it quite literally every single day. I began using AG1 because, I'll be honest with you, I don't like to take a bunch of pills and vitamins, and I just wanted something that tastes great, was quick, and easy to remember, so I do it. I do it every morning when I wake up. I certainly have it right after my coffee and before I work out. And I will tell you this, too. It is um, a simple, effective investment for your health. You can try AG1 and get five free AG1 travel packs and a free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash JCS. Again, that's go to uh, – all you got to do is go to uh, drinkag1.com slash JCS. That's drinkag1.com slash JCS. Check it out. It's delicious, it's quick, it's easy, it's proven. Vitamins, probiotics, whole food source nutrients. Start your day with it, you'll feel better, I promise. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply my friends at zaxby's have the best chicken sandwich you can get so go get one they're big they're juicy they're tasty you got the pickles, you got the split top bun, you got the 
sheer mass of the chicken breast. It's good stuff. And there are 52 locations in town, so you can just jump on over to one of your 52 locations here in Tallahassee. Try out the torchy sauce. It's a very good one. Barbecue is very solid at the Zaxby's. Torchy sauce. Torchy sauce. You can mix a few sauces together, but they've got 85 million. If you recall from those morning pregame shows we did two years ago, the amount of, it would have filled a refrigerator, the amount of sauces they sent over to us. And they were all good. <laughs> yeah, they were all good. Yeah. I laughed. Uh, it's, it's list season. On three wrote an article uh, yesterday about the, the, the pressure rankings for coaches in this conference in the ACC. I was looking at that because we, ours were uh, figuring prominently for quite some time uh, towards the end of Jimbo's time, then followed by obviously how quickly things went south. And from there, you hire Mike, and people were on him pretty quick in two years. So you're kind of like, okay, well, man, this is this is problematic. We're always on this list. I Mike's nowhere near that list now. But I'll tell you what they wrote, what Jesse Simonton wrote, and then I'll tell you what I think. But Jeff Halfley, Boston College, for example, high. The list was high, right? Hammered by injuries in 2022. They they note that. They point that out. He's 15 and 20 in three seasons at BC. You know why? Can't win at BC. Can't win big at BC. And Jeff Halfley is universally described as an elite X's and O's coach. They would be dumb to even consider firing Jeff Halfley if after this year he's still sub 500 and he's going to be. It was interesting, yes, uh, last year on the dais at the ACC kickoff, I was doing, this is how it works. There's the giant ballroom and these sprawling tables, good, reliable internet connection from in there. Right. So I'm doing side stories, and some of these other schools come up and they talk, and, you know, usually don't pick your head up. When Halfley started speaking, my head, I, I was like, all right, I'll put this aside. Kind of interested. Very interesting guy. He's awesome to listen to talk, and you can tell he is an elite football mind. He does have a problem, though, and here's the area where I would agree with um, Jesse uh, Simonton's comments. That's a new AD at BC. Yeah. He didn't hire him. So ADs tend to want to have their own guys, and if you're below 500, you know, he may pull the trigger, right? He could. I, the other thing is, I got the sense that Halfley is over college football. I think he's done with it. The sense well, I got from well, 10 minutes last year. Okay, just well, 10 minutes. Well, in that was, case. Because he was talking about recruiting at the at the high level at Ohio State, Power 5, where you've always got to be paranoid. Yeah. And he never went so far as to say entitlement. He wasn't one of those guys. But you could just hear. like The things he had to do, he was not thrilled about. He preferred the Boston College method of developing people. It, you better be all in if you're going to Boston College as a head coach on that idea. Because if you're not, you're going to be a short-timer for one of two reasons. Either you quit or you're fired. It just sounded like he was over the machine of big-time Power 5 football. Now, maybe if it affects his bank account, he goes back. He struck me as somebody that wanted to go to the pros. He does. That's what it sounded Well, right, and I think he will. I, I think a lot of guys will. I mean, it's listen, if you're not a, in, a, in a have situation, if you're a have not in the Power 5, you're not going to – BC, how are you going to win in the transfer portal? Who's going to BC? They're not. So he's – you can't win in recruiting there. The The standard at BC 
And as Adazio used to tell us, has to be like you get a good BC guy, right? He's a he's a BC man, right? Yep. You know, okay. Well, okay, that's six and six. And if you fall into an elite level quarterback like they have before, then maybe you can you can win nine games and go to a big time bowl or yeah. the ACC championship game. Hell, you you nine Matt Ryan wins. falls into yes, yeah, nine wins and a massive upset along the way. So you're the talk of college football. It's the it, it's the best you're going to do. You're not playing for titles. You're not, no. And frankly, if you're Boston College with what little you've invested in football and where you're located and, and, and the, you know, the history of that program, the bottom line is, look, if he goes to a bowl, it's a great year. You go to a bowl, it's a great year. Just get, just get bowl eligible every year and you can keep that job for a long time. It seemed like that appealed to him. You develop these guys who yeah. really need the help. We're going to make them better. They're yeah. obviously there for more than just football. That was the Wake Forest model for years. It's almost as though they're a service academy without having to wake up before in the morning to do basic training or whatever it is. The You, you went through the list of stuff that an mm -hmm. Army golf team or a Navy oh, golf it's un, team. It's unreal. Do. Yeah, 4 a.m., yeah. It is commitment at the highest level. But it sounds like this is a guy who was tired of the machine and he'd rather have kids who were there for the student-athlete reason, which, fair enough, man. I, I get it. Switch gears and have a fun conversation about Dabo Sweeney, who would, you know, on the surface be as safe as anybody could be. He's won seven of the last eight ACC championships. How the hell could he be in jeopardy? Well, what does happen, oddly, when you're uber successful is, is you're not a victim of your success, but you are held to the standard that you've now created. And he does not like that. He does not want to be held accountable because he wants to tell you about those accomplishments and how dare you then hold him accountable for achieving that each season. How dare you energy is strong. Very with strong with him. Very strong with him. He is a PR nightmare. He struggles in that category uh, frequently. He's also insulated in that little country community, and they let him say all the stupid things that he says on the regular, and they don't hold him accountable. And the bronzing salon goes up 3% in revenue before the ACC kickoff. I promise you that. But here's the thing. Um he he did a good job of, I think, saving his ass here to some extent for the foreseeable future, and that was bringing in Garrett Riley. And that was a great hire, and it pissed me off because it showed some self-awareness that I wasn't sure he had. More than the acumen and the X's and O's upgrade yeah. and all that, it showed that he was aware things were going south and he needed to make a great hire, and he did. The hope is that he was made aware by someone else who said this is who you're bringing in. Uh, well, either way, because it gives him second life. It might, but it also might be a situation where, where it the creates, ego yeah, it does yeah. not create and foster an environment for this. That's what you got to hope for. That's what you got to hope for because you're correct. On its face, this is a, a home run hire, and it also shows you that the guy that would grab the play sheet an awful lot last year and basically had the energy of, I could do this myself. Mm, he was mad. He either stood down himself, which is not good for us, or, was or made he to stand was made down. to stand down, either, which could be good for us. Could be if he resents it. But look, until Nick Saban leaves, he's in no threat of going anywhere. So, by the way, uh, Mike Elko would be uh, a, a zero threat to leave unless he's going to the National Football League to be a head coach. Duke was oh, Elko inherited a one in seventeen team in ACC play over the last two years. He went nine and four in year one. Duke was kind of a problem for some people last year. They were. They were. Well coached. Well coached. And he uh, outshined Brent Pry, Tony Elliott, Mario Cristobal. All of them. Well, that's a budding rivalry. Huge game. 
Huge game. I think are they locked in Duke and Miami? They should be under the new three three five. How could you not? I mean, that's that rivalry has borne some of the great games of all time. It has. Duke is still yet to beat Florida State. Uh Mike Norvell. Let's bring it home for a second. I'd say he's under zero threat of losing his job. The only thing that could hurt Mike Norvell and put him back in a warm seat of any kind is if somehow with these massive expectations, they were to radically underachieve in a way that none of us foresee with this offense. Like he would have to, like if they went out and went six and six or seven and five. How do you get there though? It's hard to get there. You'd have to lose obviously to LSU and Clemson, which is distinctly possible. You'd have to lose to Florida on the road, which is possible, I suppose. So that's three. Uh, I got You want me to get to five losses, six losses? No. What I'm saying is, what would have to happen to me? It's it's health. You'd have to lose Jordan Travis sure. and a couple other key players. Well, you lose Jordan Travis, all of a sudden, lots of things come into play. And or you lose the locker room, which doesn't feel uh, very likely. No, no, no. no. I'm just. How do you arrive there? It's more than just looking at opponents on a schedule. It, it has to be health, and it has to. There's be a, a lot of things issue. that would have to be. Yeah. It would have to be that Daryl Jackson doesn't get his waiver. You have some injuries to key players like Johnny Wilson and Jordan Travis. Braden Fisk has a setback. Yeah, so it would. It would be a Robert lot of. Scott it would be a down. lot of things, right? But. If, the reason I bring that up is that if for some reason they are woefully short on the expectations, you think you're concerned about recruiting now? Then, this then we this, this snowballs at that point. That actually is probably the best way to retort to my calm, which is, what if it doesn't go well on the field this year? Do you still believe in those guys as recruiters? Uh, well, fair enough. Fair enough. That's it. I'm okay. not so sure we have the dynamicism. <laughs> fair enough. This is all supposing something. Very big, which is also novel to us under Mike Norvell. Winning. Yeah. Uh, Brent Key uh, doesn't, I don't know. I mean, does Georgia Tech, I, I, I don't know what we do with that one. No chance he gets fired, right? I believe that's what they say when they look at the PL report of the whoa, athletic department. Whoa, whoa, I don't know what to do with that one. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he's a former Georgia Tech offensive lineman. He came home. They, they said, please help us here. We're firing Collins. Do you think we could get Halfley? Jeff Brom, no chance he's getting fired. Could we get Elko? Think Mario Cristobal's in trouble? Could be. He could be. A disastrous 5-7 and seven campaign last year. They preseason opened as a top-10 team. There was a moment in time in that year in which he lost his quarterback, meaning the kid checked out and said, screw you. Yes, he got hurt, but there were problems. I'm sure in a podcast somewhere, Herbie and... Fowler, we're talking about how it feels like the 80s again in the preseason. I will also say that um, it's always an interesting look when after one season you have a massive overhaul in your coaching staff. Hmm. So the guys you brought in that you were sure of when you walked in there, you, you're all gone. Should have paid Lashley $2.5 million to be your coordinator. That should have been the play. Dave Doran, no chance. Uh, Mac Brown. No chance. What are they going to do? What's the? I mean, they will underachieve, but what are they going to do? They're not going to let that guy go. No, but he could retire. He's seven. Sure. He's seventy-one. Yeah. Doesn't look to be in the greatest of health. They go average this year. They go out in their average with you, May. You know what I mean? With, with that guy at quarterback, 
They made the ACC championship game in 2022. They also lost four straight games to end the season. So I, I don't know. I mean, um, they'd fire him if they were moving to a different conference. If they were called up to the big boy. Oh, if ranks. they had to play for real? Yeah. Yeah. They're fine with what he can do and the noise he can make in the ACC right now. But yeah. They got a, they've got a, a top two pick at the most important position on the field. If they're average and you're a diehard North Carolina fan, you want his ass fired. But there aren't enough of those. So, so they'll be like, okay. Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Watch Your Head TV. Ah, that's the sound of the weekend. Pirates ever going to win another game, guys? What do you guys think? My Pirates ever win another baseball game? It is remarkable to watch. To go from this month, a couple weeks ago, first place. To an ass-sorry stretch that is uh, as tough to endure for me as any that we've had in a number of years. And, buddy, we've had some toughies. Nothing like looking at that last 10 streak that they have in the uh, columns there for your National League division races. And to see uh, last 10, 0-10. Ouch. 0-10. How many games out are you? Uh, Five and a half. Meanwhile, the Reds last 10, 10 and 0, 10 and 0. They've won 11 straight total. It is. What are we doing here, everybody? My goodness gracious. Your Mets, four and six in their last 10, 14 games back. Can't pitch. Can't pitch. Pirates relief staff is riddled with injury, and the folks they've called up, Tom, in these last 10 games, Pitching to a cool nine nine seven. Yeah, yeah. The old nine nine seven staff bullpen ERA. Something similar here, and this is what I feared. The bullpen was excellent for the first six weeks of the season, but nobody could go beyond five innings. And now they're exhausted. Nobody. Now they're exhausted. And now they're crap because they were overperforming, and now they're tired to boot. So you're you're regressing with a dead arm, and it's a problem. <laughs> That's a problem. They still got more than half the season to play. You're oh, like, God. oh, this is oh get, God. This could get really ugly, everybody. Because they're hitting all right. Last 15, 20 games. Their lineup's fine. Oh, we've had a bit of everything. We went through a stretch where we couldn't hit a lick and then also couldn't stop people from hitting. So it's a deadly combination that leads to a bunch of 10 to nothing games. Power Mill performance. Their performance much better than the Pittsburgh Pirates performance, everybody. You got baseball camps this summer. You got softball camps this summer. You got your little kids going out there, getting better at baseball and softball. Fundamentals, all of it. That way, when the leagues start up, they're having a blast. Also, you got to put them somewhere over the summer, guys. You do? I'm well-versed in the camp situation. Get them off the couch. Get them out of the damn house. Stop staring at your phone. 45 years of experience, 2,000-plus alumni, 27 alumni currently in the majors. It's impressive. Tip of the cap to Power Mill Training Academy, powermillsports.com. Probables, Tom? It's time for, how you say, with the pitching, uh, probables? Kansas City, Tampa Bay. Zach Grinky, Zach Epple. Zach Grinky's still out here. God, dog. How long has Zach Grinky been pitching? I used him in the video game in freshman year of college. That's crazy. Yeah. 
the knuckle curve. Twins, Tigers, Kenta Maida, Joey Wins, Braves, Reds. There you go. The way the Reds are playing. How about Luke Weaver having been traded to the Reds, loving life on a 40-35 and 35 team, winners at 11 straight? Luke takes the bump against the Braves. Tough ask. Tough ask. A.J. Smith, shower. Shower on the hill for the Braves. What an Pirates, Marlins, sweet Jesus. We're having a roll Luis Ortiz out there. We'll see. Jesus Lazardo goes for the Marlins. Love that guy. What's his ERA? It's a little high this year, I thought. Lazardo? Yeah. He's 6-5 and five with a 4-9. Yeah. Something's up. Yeah. Need to give him a fresh start somewhere else. Mariners, Orioles, Logan Gilbert, Kyle Gibson. We got the Mets and the Phillies. Sanga time. Sanga son. Let's go. Tawan Walker goes for the Phillies. Rangers, Yankees. Good game. Did you quietly know that the Texas Rangers, ladies and gentlemen, are 46 and 28? Dane Dunning is a big reason why. He's on the bump today. Six and one with a 278. Dane Dunning is a guy that you want to play golf with in a four-man scramble, but not if he has to play his own ball for 18 holes. The other thing about Dane is you know he's going to bring his own cooler. Dane's coming prepared to have fun. Which is why you want Dane Dunning in the four-man scramble. Because Dane could also chip now a little yeah, bit. Yeah, So those par five, if green. you're around the green and two, it's a birdie. Dane's the first of your group to ask if you want another one. <laughs> we love Dane. Clark Schmidt's going for the Yankees. A's Blue Jays. James Caparillion and Chris Bassett. Brewers, Guardians, Wade Miley, Shane Bieber. Red Sox, White Sox. Ryan Bello, Lucas Giolito. We got the Angels and the Rockies. Patrick Sandoval, Kyle Freeland. Kyle Freeland was dealing on me on MLB The Show yesterday. Oh, painting corners all day. I couldn't do anything but foul it back. I think he struck out seven. I was like, damn it, Kyle. I, you were dealing on me today. I was like tipping my cap to the AI. Slider on my back foot. I'm like, okay. All right, well done. Nationals, Padres, Patrick Corbin, Joe Musgrove. Stroh's Dodgers, JP France, Emmett Sheehan. First start for Emmett. D-backs, Giants, Zach Davies, Logan Webb, and that is a look at those that shall reside on the bump. Right as the music ended. Impressive. I was impressed. That was awesome. I feel good about that. Hey, so I want to go back to really quickly while we're on the subject of baseball and how it is this kid for the Marlins is hitting over 400 or hitting 397. Here's the crazy thing. Look at these numbers. This is weird, right? He's not going to hit 400, Tom, obviously. But if you want to look at it, he would be the least likely to ever really hit 400, and here's why. He never walks. He never walks, and he's going to have a ton of at-bats. So it's harder to hit 400 the more at-bats you have. Yep, yep. When Ted Williams hit over 400, he walked 147 times. The kid hits for zero power, so he's not going to get any of those, you know, 20 or 30 free hits. Like, when Ted Williams hit 400, he hit 37 home runs. By the way, think about that again. In a year in which you hit over 400, you hit 37 home runs. They're not worried about the stitching of the baseball being too tight either in that time. That dude, mm, 
when George Brett challenged 400, he hit 24 home runs in 117 games. Now, Rod Carew didn't hit a lot of home runs, but he hit a career high the year that he was chasing 400 with 14. And Tony Gwynn in 94 had a career high home runs the year he hit 390, was, uh, or he was on pace to, anyhow, 94 the strike came, but he was on pace to hit more home runs than he ever had. The major league-wide batting average this year is 247. When Ted Williams did it, it was 262. When George Brett came close, it was 265. What you have now is a proliferation of 100-mile-per-hour pitchers that didn't exist back then, yep. and they're in swarms. They come out of everybody's bullpen. Specialists. Well, not the Mets' bullpen. Our, our top guy is maybe 95. It's hard to hit 300 with people throwing 102 out of everybody's bullpen, let alone 400. Um, the other problem is kid's not fast. He's not fast at all. He ranks in the bottom quarter across baseball in sprint speed. He's not getting infield hits. So what you're saying is this is the most impressive anybody has ever been if they're flirting with 400th. I've got another one that tells you that it's even more impressive than you realize. He doesn't hit the ball hard at all. His hard hit rate this year is 24%. It's amongst the lowest in all of baseball. He's not fast. He doesn't hit the ball hard. He never walks, yet has a ton of plate appearances. He can't hit home runs. How in the hell is this dude hitting 397? Well, in this way, he's very much a throwback. He never strikes out. Never. You can't strike him out. He's got 14 or 15 total as of earlier this week. He's got 15 as of yeah. last night. Yeah. He puts the ball in play. Always. The other thing he does is he doesn't care how you align. Now, the shift is no longer legal, but people still move severely this side of second, that side of second. They, they right up against it, right? He can put the ball to all fields. If you look at his spray chart, it's all over baseball. So you throw away, I'll go away. You throw in, I'll turn my hips. I can do all of those things. Not hard, but I can get it there. So his expected batting average on balls put in play right now is 330. So it's, he's kind of... Well, he won a batting title for the AL last year. I mean, yeah. so it's kind of silly. I mean, right? This was the Pab Pablo Lopez deal for Arias. 60 points lower than his actual batting average, but it's still top of baseball stat cast. So, again, he gets hits. Uh, he's not going to get to 400, but it's pretty cool. Happy weekend. Hope you guys got my care package. Marcus, we did. Thank you so much, man. We really appreciate you and every one of these listeners, except for the guy that complained that he's tired of hearing about coaches. Go listen to another show. I got an I take it to beer shirt jersey. That's why. Uh, I take it to beer? I take it to beer. I take it to beer? Yeah. A little DeGrom, actually. So I don't know how you feel about him. Uh, he's fine. Don't worry. His brightest days were in Queens. I don't know that there are many, many bright days. In Texas, certainly not this season. I uh, I will tell you that uh, I take it the beer guy has made me smile. Think about this now. All these years later, we're still laughing about I take it the beer. Yeah, 10 years this upcoming January. And he had to say it a lot. <laughs> he did. <laughs> Else we would have had <laughs> eight beers on the table because we, we did move to the tiki bar. We moved to the tiki bar. Well, you and I were eyeing that tiki bar. We were looking at it. Yep. And it was like, Nobody oh, was leaving. Man. None of them. Stuck there. Probably 15 seats worth at that tiki bar. I'm like, man, are, are these people ever going to leave? They were all in the bag in the middle of the afternoon. I'm like, come on, guys. You've had one too many. 
Surely you've got a plane to catch. So we can have one too many. So we can have one too many in comfort and see the TV. Because we're champions. We also want to watch the highlights of our national championship victory. And not from a great distance, but right up there next to the tiki bar. What was on the TV that night before we got on the planes? Do you remember? That night? Yep. Yeah. I don't know. Because it was later on the East Coast. Big Monday basketball, but that didn't matter. Who was on the TV? Was that the Florida Florida State basketball game? No, that was nope. when we were doing no, the that show. Was, uh, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. in Brentwood, not Brentwood, Westwood. In Westwood. Ah. Oh, Mike Tarico, who we had just seen the day before, was on the call, and he was in Northwestern, maybe? Yeah, we watched him walk on by, and he gave us the classic pro to pro wink and a smile point as Hello he there. Yeah, he was great. Remember Mike that? Tarico acknowledges you. We were sitting down, and Mike Tarico was our hype. That's right. <laughs> he walked fast. Little tiny Mike Tarico walked by and gave us that knowing nod. Impressive. Professional broadcasters. Me too. That's a good point. Yeah. The other day, the rain game was on where he unbuckled for the Louisville touchdown in overtime. I remember that's the maddest I've ever been at him. A quick over-under for you in the final 30 seconds of the show. Briley says, margin of victory, 350 points over-under for Florida State in the 12-game slate this year. Oh, my God. I had, You're going to make me do math at the end of the show? 35 a game. A little less. 30, 30. Margin of victory, 35 a game? Grand no, total. Less. Less? Less, yeah. Good work oh, out man. of you. Have a great weekend, everybody. Be well, be safe, and I'll talk to you on Monday. Peace.